Captain's log supplemental. Our computer core has clearly been tampered with, and yet there is no sign of a breach of security on board. We have engines back and will attempt to complete our mission, but without a reliable computer, Dr. Stubbs' experiment is in serious jeopardy. Manual restart sequence. Manual restart successful. Impulse engine functions all appear normal. Proceed. Shuttle bay two, open hangar door. Aye, sir. The door did not respond. Repeating sequence. What is heaven's name? It is Stars and Stripes Forever, sir, by John Philip Sousa, an American composer of band music in the early 20th century. Yes, yes, I know that. Computer, shut off the music. Music is on all communications channels, sir. Weapons, power, communications will be stripped one system at a time. Shut off the power to the bridge. Come on, LaForge. Can you get us out of this star system safely? No. Not now, Doctor. I'll try, Captain. I don't want to overload the engines. Do it gently, but do it. We'll circuit in auxiliary power to the bridge. Somehow we'll silence Sousa if he decides to play an encore. The priority is to find out who or what is doing this. Number one, the bridge, such as it is, is yours. Hello and welcome to SnapTrack, the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined as ever by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Good. It's going well. It's going well. Excellent. I feel I feel like we haven't done one for ages. I feel like it's been a long time since it, you and I have actually had a proper chat. It does. It feels that way all the time, though. You're right, <laughs> actually. It does feel like that. It does feel like that. <laughs> and every time we talk, it's always so massively important because we're always discussing right, right. Star Trek, which is the most important right. thing you can talk about. It is. It's always big news and yeah, exactly. important things. There um, has been a lot of big news recently. That has it happened. It really has. Yeah. Which is very exciting. We are so lucky. Yeah. I did the Star Trek Prodigy trailer. It looks oh, absolutely I'm so excited. For so Prodigy. good. I'm I very excited wait. about that. Actually, it's going to be out. It's going to be out soon. soon. Pretty soon. And uh, also up to date with uh, 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 Lower Decks. Yes. Uh, series 5, <laughs> episode 5 is just on. It's so good. It's such a good show. Okay. I'm so pleased. It's I good. love it so much. I'm so glad that you guys get it the next day now instead of... It, it just makes such a difference, like just talking yeah. about it or sharing stuff or making jokes. Yeah. Because I really was... I really felt I missed out last time. Right. Although right. it's probably going to happen with Prodigy as well. However, oh. however it comes across. Then they haven't said how it's going to come out yet. No, not in, yet. Internationally? Oh, that's a bummer. Or not that I know. Not yeah. That I, know. I, thought that, I thought I might have seen something. I'll look for it later. Okay. If I find something, I'll send it to you. But yeah, I hope so. I hope you get that at the same time, man. I do, because I showed my son the trailer and he looked very impressed. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> and I've usually I've shown he's watched episodes of Star Trek before and he's been rather nonplussed. Yeah. But this he looked genuinely like that was good. I'd like to watch it's that. It's for him too. Exactly. I love it. It is. Oh, it's for him. So it's for him probably more than it's for me. Yeah. But it is <laughs> I think okay. it's for everyone. Exactly, it's for everyone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some kind of game? I've never seen that one before. How do you play? 
During each snap trick, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories and we select a scene or line or alien or prop which we think is excellent and we award points to the answer which we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snap trick is a competition but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. The real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at SnapTrack. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons and the categories we could use. And of course, send us your Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry or haiku or limericks or rhymes or verse. We love them all. You can get in touch with me, Taborg, at strtrk1701, also on Twitter. And Jen? And you can reach me on Twitter also. I'm at edatquarks. Okay. In this episode, we are assigned a pair of agitated academics while we are simultaneously threatened by non-humanoid life forms of such wildly impressive scale, we are unsure whether we share any frame of reference with them at all. The danger subsides once we learn that we can communicate with our out-of-proportion opponents. Or does it? I was lucky enough to watch (laughs) TNG Series 5, Episode 4, Silicon Avatar and Jen and I was lucky enough to watch TNG season 3 episode 1 Evolution (laughs) and honestly I wouldn't put these together but actually putting them together worked incredibly well yeah I was was surprised too by just how many similarities there really were Um, not just with the the mad scientists (laughs) that that we meet along the way um, but I mean, these, these just are, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but th- these, the idea of these two, um, uh, I guess aliens, well, I guess the, I don't know, and then if you call the nanites aliens or what, but, uh, <laughs> these, these creatures that we meet are just both so endlessly fascinating to me. And then I, I really like when they go outside of humanoid for the yes, species I we meet. <laughs> Are these, are these your are these your avatar on Twitter as well? Or they were they they were previously. They are, they are well no, but not from Star Trek. These I love I love the idea. I'll talk about this later. How, how just I, I'm just <laughs> so in love with the idea of of, of the nanites. Uh, but my avatar on Twitter is the, are the nanites from Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh. And then it, yeah, and then they're so fun because they uh, they basically they live on the ship and they like run, they like fix things on the ship. They're not, you know, but they're, it's obviously a reference to, to TNG, you know, the TNG. Right. And, okay. but they're funny cause they're really anthropomorphized. So they like have names like, you know, like Ned and Shelly and, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they talk, you know, and they like talk with that, you know, like accents and they <laughs> like have like do things like run hair salons and they, you know what I mean? So it's really just, it's just funny. It's just, it's just, just so funny. But I love them, so they are my avatar. <laughs> That's so very good. Kind of a backhanded Trek reference, you know, Mystery Science Theater reference to Trek. <laughs> okay. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we begin with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. Jen, I'd love to hear your lyrical recap for Evolution. 
Okay, so for, ev- for evolution, I have we have our little nanite friends who I adore. So for these little creatures, I just did a little haiku to equal their size. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my haiku for evolution. Like our creator, we evolve with limitless possibilities. <laughs> Very nice. I like it. A little haiku from them. I like it. It, they, it just they, they just they just really capture my imagination so much, and I love the fact that that Wesley is basically their god. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really wish that they expounded on that a little bit, or that we saw them again, and you know, and they like had statues to Wesley. Or, you know, he, he brought the two together. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I thought that was. Um, I thought that I thought that I I, th- I think that that's really interesting you know, a uh, correlation between, you know, Wes's civilization that he helped develop and his own evolution to another, you know, higher form. Oh my God, <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's just interesting. So I but, suppose if you go, if you're going to evolve into godhood, it always helps to have created a race of sentient beings beforehand. Right. I mean, that looks good. Got to look good on your resume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would love to hear what you have come up with for Silicon Avatar. So, uh, yeah, in a moment of uh, symmetry, <laughs> I have also written a haiku. Yay! <laughs> this is name. This is called Brobdingnagian. <laughs> Communicative, the crystalline entity shatters into pieces. Mm. That's so sad. It is sad. <laughs> it, 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 I feel I feel it's, really weird about the sadness because yeah. it obviously is a tragedy that it's been destroyed. Yeah. But also, now we've saved lots of people. I don't know. Right, right. Uh, but we'll talk about this. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about this because that's, we'll that's what's yeah. so interesting about this episode yeah. to me. Okay. Let's begin then. Okay. Round one. Would you like to call that round one, or should sure. you like me to do it? Oh, well, how about you go first this time? Okay. We're, we're going for round one. Okay, first round. Let's have a look at. Well, let's 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 have a let's start off with our misunderstood monster of the week. Ground. Give us some context. Misunderstood monster of the week. Who do you have? I love it. These are the nanites. These are one of my favorite one-off species in all of Star Trek. I, I really wish we got to see more of the nanites. Um, they started out as uh, they're they're used uh, for medical purposes, you know, usually, which which is you know a thing that is you know, the science is trying to do, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, and, and Wesley gets a hold of, of some of these nanites and, and decides to do his advanced genetics project on uh, improving the nanites. And, and he approved them a little too well. <laughs> they were able to evolve and, uh, <laughs> and uh, created a whole, unbeknownst to him, a whole civilization of nanites. 
Um, and they have a collective consciousness. They evolve into a collective consciousness, which is so cool. They don't expand on that either. There's a lot of missed opportunities with the name. They really here. don't talk about that a lot, do they? Yeah. Um, I, and then I just, I just, I want to see, I want to follow up on <laughs> all this new Star Trek. I want to follow up on the nanites <laughs> on Canvas Alpha 4. I want to see their civilization, what what's, it's grown into um, and how their, you know, their little collective uh, collective is working um but they so there's the question if, if we're talking about misunderstood monster of the week these are misunderstood uh by specifically our our uh <laughs> our scientist dr paul stubbs uh played by ken jenkins who i keep calling like all my notes that i've written i have uh written as dr kelso <laughs> Because that's who he played on. That's who he is. He's obviously Kelso. That's who he is. He's Kelso. Like, it's literally, that's what my notes are. It's just Kelso did this and Kelso said this. (laughs) Uh, So he's wonderful. But, but, uh, so he, um, he's a little bit, a little bit willfully misunderstanding these creatures. You know, he, 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 he seems to just, just, uh, balk at the idea that they could have sentience, you know, basically, yeah. he, 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 you know, comparison to viruses or like, why does a mosquito bite your, who cares? You, you, uh, you I like that mosquito. line. Uh, yeah. But I, I, yeah. I did think he, he was on a losing footing arguing that machines couldn't be sentient while there was a sentient right. machine in the room talking. Right. Yes. Data has prominent features in both these, yeah. <laughs> in both these episodes, uh, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, and, and then of course, you know, um, of course, you know, Picard realized, well, there's a, there's a real possibility and, and it gets shown later that yes, obviously these, these are intelligent creatures. These aren't, um, you know, these aren't just mindless bots, just self-replicating and you know what I mean? Um, and we'll talk later about what happened, what happens to them. We get to know the, the nanites a little bit more. Um, but they're just, it's just such an interesting, interesting um, concept to have these, these little, pieces of technology just evolve their own their own way of doing things and they and they they evolve into being explorers <laughs> they can say that later you know when we get to talk to them they say we are explorers yeah i and, really i uh, really like that and it's i just thought that was great so great it's so great i love uh, okay so I before I didn't I didn't get into um, into fire protection engineering and nuclear engineering until um, until after undergrad. My undergrad I did uh, semiconductor processing, so I, I basically worked in clean room and and made you know and made made silicon silicon chips and things like that. And so the idea of the these you're the silicon avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just something that I, that 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 like I've always just been fascinated with. Um, but I, and I have a, the- I have a theory about this. So nanotechnology, the idea the one of the reasons I really like this episode is, is, is that it's very, very in tune with the technology and the science of the, of the era 
and this is one thing TNG did really well. This is another strength of Voyager also, like taking things straight out of what's happening now in the scientific world and like making an episode about it. Well, that's the beauty uh, of science fiction, isn't it? Taking absolutely. something now and pushing it into what could this be? Yeah. What could we do it? And that's absolutely. what science fiction is so fascinating. Yeah. And, and the idea of nanotechnology is, is from earlier in the 20th century. But when you look at, if you look at the... Um, there's a, there's a website you can go and see like when was the first instance of, of certain words. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the first instance of the word nanobot was in 1989, which is the no year that this way. episode came out. Yeah, nanobot. And I, I I can't prove it. I can't find out how to prove it. But I really think that they invented the word nanite, that they're responsible for the word nanite. And I guess it's the earliest I've seen. Um, it's not even like, like I, 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 that's not listed in the, in, you know, in, in those sites, but I, I, you know, and I'm trying to find like some, some of the like literature at the time, you know, to see if, if anyone uses the word nanite, but I, I would be willing to bet that that's, uh, you know, a Star Trek exclusive. <laughs> and it's an interesting concept to take, take that word, take that word, you know, from nanotechnology, take the new word of nanobot and make it a nanite. You know, I like implying like a personhood, you know, like, yeah. like someone, you know, uh, from that realm. Like they're, they live in like a different realm, basically, you know, it's just so interesting. Yeah. To me. I mean, it's a whole yeah. different scale of reality. Yeah. yeah. It's, resources. It's and it, it gives them, yeah, it gives them like, like, like it, it, it uh, awards them like a personhood. Sort of, you know, call them Nanites, you know, like Manhattanites, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just, Hello, Manhattanites. you know what I mean? Like, like that's like, just that, that pre, like using that, that suffix or whatever. This is just, just so cool. And I, and I don't, that doesn't happen anywhere until that I, I found in science fiction or in real, you know, in reality until, until this episode. And it's, and, and then it's been used, you know, since then they, um, you know, like I said, on Mystery Science Theater, they were nanos, but I think that's more a direct reference to this episode. Mm-hmm. And we know that they've done it before, like like Borg, the Borg nanoprobes, like a nanoprobe isn't a thing either. That's just a made up, you know, that Star Trek definitely made up the word nanoprobe, you know? And and I, I, th- I think that nano is just one that they made up that like has kind of entered the lexicon, which I think is cool. And I can't prove that. I, I need to do more research, but... I love that one. I Who wrote this so, episode? So fascinating. Ooh, let's we find should email. <laughs> we, we should email this. Actually, I should. How do I not know who wrote this episode? Let me look. That we up. should ask Mike Akuda. He'd answer it. He'd answer this. We should. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tweet, tweet him after this. Yeah. So it's Michael. Michael Pillar, and Michael Wagner also has the story by credit. Michael okay. Pillar and Michael Wagner. So, but it's That's, it's just so so interesting. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I think the I think the Oxford English Dictionary would thank us to find this information out. Right. <laughs> this is a legit word. Um, yeah, but, but just like, like I, it's just such a, such an, such a great concept that they don't really take advantage of. They're just like, Oh, they're, they're on the ship and that, you know, and they're causing ruckus and <laughs> we communicate with them and then we just dump them off on a planet. And they're off. They and we're off. Shit's not big enough for us anymore. Problem solved. <laughs> So yeah, but they're great, and I want to see more. And I, I wish we would have gotten more. I would, or I wish we would have gotten them. Uh, or, you know, when when they weren't happening, data. I wish we would have gotten him speaking to Wesley, Wesley, and um, and I wish we would have gotten to see a follow up. I want to see their planet so much. I really <laughs> want to know what they've created and what right. kind of what kind of society they would create. Yeah, what yeah. would that look like? 
what would it need to look like? Right. Would they decide they Just, wanted to scale up? Would they go smaller? I mean, right. would they even consider that? Because how they, I mean, I guess, like, how do they find sources of food if their food sources are, like, electronic devices? I guess they learn how to build what they need. Yeah. They have to so, mine so, the so, raw materials. Exactly. To, right. Yeah. Like, what do they do? How do they, how do they go about doing these things when they're so small? But they do have that collective intelligence, you know, intelligence that they can work together, you know? That is something that we should uh, explore. That's, uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really like the, the idea that we should know about that. Right. Because we've seen similar, we've seen nano, what did they call them in Discovery? The uh, control, were they nanoprobes? I don't remember what they called those. Um, that We've seen them being used as a weapon. You know, they, they infected yeah. the Section 31 guy. Leland. <laughs> yeah. Had a bunch of nanoprobes or nanobots or nano, nanites. I, or, just, I just called them nanites, I think. I nanite, what yeah, they... I like the word nanite a lot. <laughs> I always call them nanites. <laughs> Um, but it's just, yeah. And, and, you know, and then it's funny too, like, can they, you know, how in like cartoons when there's a swarm of bees, but then they like, like the, <laughs> yeah. the swarm of bees, like form something, you know, like a fist or like something. Like arrow. Somebody, or like an yeah. arrow. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Can they do that kind of thing? Like, <laughs> now they can talk, they can write out words, <laughs> get in formation, <laughs> like a marching band <laughs> to write out words <laughs> to communicate. <laughs> But so many possibilities. But yeah, so so that's the nanites. They were misunderstood by only Kelso <laughs> because he had bigger fish to fry. More important. Oh things. yeah, everyone else gave <laughs> the nanites fine. total benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they were very happy to like figure out what was going on. Right. Like this must be a misunderstanding. They might not be. They must not be trying to hurt us. You know. <laughs> like let's try to talk to them. And Picard wasn't having any of it when Kelso Picard, was yeah. like, "You exterminate." Right, right. God was not having any of that. That was not He's not like, in his remit. Yeah. I was very pleased to see it wasn't even considered right. unless the ship was in dire threat. Right. He's like, I got that in my back pocket, you know, that if we need to, we can, you know, uh, irradiate them. But obviously that's the very, very last resort. <laughs> Didn't work so well for Stubbs, is it? Right. <laughs> well, he, 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 he got what he deserved. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Right. So tell me about the crystalline entity. He was another awesome alien. So misunderstood monster of the week in Silicon Avatar. A returning monster. <laughs> the crystalline entity is like Marvel Comics Galactus. Uh, you know, misunderstood, colossal, insatiable, world-consuming, space-born entity. So you find it very hard to find genuine sympathy for it right. as it literally goes from place to place consuming and possibly possibly quite impersonally killing everyone and everything on the planet or starship. Um, Picard likens it to a sperm whale gorging itself on tons of cuttlefish, not evil necessarily, just feeding. And this, of course, enrages Dr. Marr, who obviously rightly states that cuttlefish are not people. But Picard's quite adamant that it has a right to life just as we do. Um, and I'd be, you know, on a personal note, I'd be very surprised and a little upset if I was, you know, if I began to be hunted by a herd of angry cattle. 
looking to settle their <laughs> gastronomic beef with me. Um, and the real tragedy and the misunderstanding is that at, at the moment where we think we might actually be able to communicate with the crystalline entity and learn at least what is driving it and what it understands about what it's doing and whether it cares even or not, it is destroyed. And we never have the opportunity to think, well, could we have could we have forged an alliance with this creature and told it we we are threatened by you and we'd like to find a way to peacefully coexist. We can help you find the energy sources you require while we are, you know, remaining safe. And that just seems so Star Trek to me. That is a, such a that's such a Star Trek ending, isn't it? Yeah. To to come to to understand and come together and solve a problem, and horribly and gruesomely, we we don't get that. We never find out those motivations because it's I don't know whether you could even call it murdered. It's destroyed certainly, and uh, the opportunity, whether we've misunderstood it or not, is lost, and it's very very sad. <laughs> I'm under the impression that it was an intelligent creature. That's that's, so that's the impression we got from, from you know, from the end, you know, when they were getting responses from it, and it wasn't just like random pulses. You know, it was an intelligent being. Yeah, he so said there's a pattern. We yeah. can decode this. Yeah. So, so I got the impression it was intelligent as well. Same. So and she murdered it. <laughs> exactly. You can't call it murder. <laughs> In my opinion, but also like it's oh my gosh, uh, it could have it could have been a misunderstanding, like you said. He would be, oh I didn't know you know I'll stop eating you I'll go find I'll I'll yeah. eat this planet over here that doesn't have any life, or he could have said f you I'll, I'll eat you all you know what I mean exactly. <laughs> wow. we but we don't, we don't we'll never know. we never get to know we never get to find out and that's that's a tragedy too <laughs> it's so fascinating the fascinating that that's even a possibility you know to even think about like like i just that's one of the things i really love about star trek particularly T- tng is is that they just they always 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 want to want to see the other perspectives you know like like to it, it seems so vital it's so, it's so yeah. vital isn't it i love yeah. it yeah and just wow, and like I mean that blew my mind when I first saw that episode when I was younger. It was wow, you know, I wouldn't have even ever, th- you know, when I was a teenager, I would have never even thought to try to talk to the giant snowflake that just that decimates planets. That wouldn't have even yeah. dawned on me. You know, I wouldn't have tried to do that. But <laughs> right. here we are, and at the end of right. it, we're thinking, oh no, yeah, maybe we've yeah. just killed a, yes. killed a person. And brutally too. I mean, that's a brutal. De- I'm not, I don't know if the crystalline entity can feel pain or not, but if he, if if they could, <laughs> that's a brutal death because it, it was just it, it just you know focused that that frequency on it until it finally just couldn't take the pressure built up and and, and it exploded. And that sounds True. like a horrible way to go. <laughs> it's it's really awful. It's it's, it's awful. really horrible to watch it happen. It is and because we all know what's going to happen. We know the outcome. Yeah. But it lasts for ages. It you does. Must think that yeah. if it, if it can understand dread, the rising dread, right. it must be yes. a panic. That yes. Horrible, oh God, I'm going to cry for the crystalline entity after, <laughs> after we saw it kill like so many people, exactly. Including the, the lovely people that died in the cold open, or I guess right. in, well, in the, in the beginning of the episode. 
Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. But uh, the crystalline entity, man, what an interesting concept. And it's, uh, it's also just beautiful. That we've never seen it again. Uh, I feel is a minor tragedy. I want to see tragedy. more of its species. Yeah, I, I want to see the next crystalline entity. Yes, I want to see, too. I want to see a, 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 I don't know, some sort of cluster chamber where they're all being birthed, some sort of oh star gosh. where they're all like Ugh. forming. I, I want this. I want to know where they come from or what they're like. Yeah. Same. And the, okay. And it's just, and, and it, they're so, like the design of it, like it's just so beautiful. And I just, I love the contrast between it, the, the, this unspeakably beautiful thing being so deadly is very interesting to me. It's so cool. Because you think, oh, look, a pretty snowflake. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> It's going to literally it's, kill it's everything on a planet. It. It's the sheer size of it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not it's, often that we get to have that sort of enormity of scale. Yeah. And if it is a cloud or a blob, and, you know, it's very right. amorphous. But this is a solid, actual, tactile thing. Yeah. And it's just absolutely cosmically enormous. That's so cool. I love it. I, I think it's uh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And it's so funny because we have a super huge alien and these little tiny beings in these episodes. And the problem with both is that they're eating things <laughs> that, that are bad for us. <laughs> like, 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 that cause yeah. us harm. <laughs> please don't eat our stuff. <laughs> please don't eat our stuff and please don't eat us. Thank you. <laughs> We're basically what both these episodes are about, which is so funny to me. <laughs> How has there not been a crystalline entity action figure or model or toy. A, a Christmas ornament. Exactly. The How is there not a, a Christmas ornament? With, that's the crystalline entity. I would buy that in a, in a nanosecond. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there really should be, right? That would be funny, like like a playset with like the action figures and like the crystalline entity is an action figure. <laughs> that would be great. I think that would be fantastic. Playmates, be awesome. I'm, I'm full of good ideas. Right? Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Right. Where's your point going for misunderstood oh, monster? Oh no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I love them both. I love them both. And I love the Crystalline entity so much. Which would and that would be my choice if it was anything other than the nanites, which have just captured my imagination for the last, you know, thirty years. You and love the nanites. I love the nanites so much and they are getting my point. <laughs> I love the nanites too, but I think I love the crystalline entity more. Mm. And I feel like they're both misunderstood, but we we only understand we only we only get to an understanding with the with the nanites. We don't have right. the opportunity to to understand the crystalline entity. And I, I've always I've thought about this since I was a kid. Like this is one of those episodes <laughs> that stayed with me yeah. since I was a child. Like thinking, mind blowing. Oh my god, this is incredible! What's going on? So I'm gonna have to give it the Christian entity. Yeah. I, I I love it so much. And it remains mysterious to this day. We don't know exactly. Oh, exactly. We know his motivations and yeah. Oh man, yeah, you can't go wrong either way. Good no, pick. So <laughs> it's a good. I'm kind of glad they're tied. <laughs> they both deserve a point for being very cool aliens and so great. Like I said before, it's just great when we get. When we start dealing with non-humanoid aliens, I always think that that's really fun. Yeah, I love um, it. I wish they did that more. Yeah, I'm so glad we're seeing more of it. Really, because yeah. we are. I mean, Star Trek's 
the opportunities have just grown enormously. Right. Animation, special effects, absolutely. Um, prosthetics. We're seeing so much more, and I love it. I love <laughs> it so too. much. So great. Okay. Right. Where are we going for round two? All right. All right. So let's, you know, since since we did call these guys misunderstood monsters, there's a certain level of danger in these episodes. So let's head into the danger zone. <laughs> the danger zone. I have a runner-up danger zone. Okay. Because the Enterprise itself never really gets into the danger zone, actually. It's, it's pretty contained. I think there's even a line where Picard says, you know, they've dealt with the crystal entity before. They know they're able to to defend themselves from it. So they seem okay. But there are others in the danger zone. So I've got a runner-up. Okay. The Calisco transport was in the danger zone. Yes. And alas, succumbed to the entity in an audibly grisly fashion. And it's it's very hard to listen to that and not feel sort of the tragedy of of anything that's horribly happening in the world and knowing that you're sort of you can hear about it and know about it but can't do anything about it. And it's very hands off and they're they're screaming and crying and that really affects Dr. Marr, which we'll talk about later on. And of course the very last thing they say is let our people know that that we were here and oh, then they're gone. And it's horrible. You know, oh. out of nowhere, a monster appears from the depths of space and consumes them. Oh, oh. my God, that's awful. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, and that's all audio, which I think is yeah. really, I mean, it's good. And it obviously saves on any special effects or <laughs> any <laughs> actors um, because they just recorded some voices. But it really worked. And it was very compelling and very dangerous. Um, however, I'm giving my... My candidate for this this category is the cold open, mm-hmm. which throws the entire Malona colony into the danger zone. One moment, I mean, it's a location shoot, which and it's a beautiful like outdoor sort of country park location. One moment they're prepping the you know where the education center is going to stand, and they're flirting outrageously with one another, <laughs> and then all of a part. sudden they're, they're so of, cute. <laughs> I mean, it's solid flirting. I mean, yes. will they, won't they? And then she's like, all about the dessert. You're like, oh, they, they definitely will. <laughs> they definitely are going to do that. <laughs> I feel so um, bad for Riker not getting that date, man. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, this is pretty bad. I mean, uh, he feels bad as well, obviously, because he writes that letter to her parents. I mean, right. that's a little tragedy. Oh, man. Um, and then the, well, the and she's great too. I, I just as a little aside, like like she's, she's just, nice. Yeah, she's it super made, nice. Made me wonder, she's... Like, is is this just one of Riker's one offs, or would he be recurringly? Would he be returning to Malona Colony? <laughs> well, I don't think he'll make it to Malona Colony too often, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so I think they just would have had a good time, a good a good uh, a good night to remember. Nice but 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 she's I mean she's great, and and she died trying to save an old man who fell and you know she's like it's just like oh this great person i know died for no reason like it adds she runs back to get him and she doesn't she doesn't know what's happening right so the the sound occurs and riker and data look up and they both instantly know what's happening yeah there's like run run to the hills everybody just has to go now they know what it is 
but no one else knows what it is. They're just running because Riker and Data told them to run. Right. And Riker's carrying that kid, and he passes oh, it to Data, God. and then he returns to get Carmen because she's helping that the old chap who fell over. And then sadly, they both succumb to the crystal entity's digestion beam, and <laughs> the Malona colony is utterly destroyed. It's in the danger zone, and it succumbs entirely to the danger. And it's a very, it's a long cold open. And it's so much happens in that cold open. It could be an episode in its own right. Right. Uh, that could have been a two-parter. The <laughs> the Malona colony and the tragedy of what's going on uh, of those trapped in the caverns. Right. Um, it's it's awful and very dangerous. Yeah, it's and and it's it's genuinely you know scary too when they get, go you know you know the death happens, which is. Mm-hmm terrifying but then you know they get into this cave which you think might you know be their refuge from from this horrible thing and then they they, uh they realize they don't have that much air so they have to hope that the air holds out long enough for the crystalline entity to finish eating you know to get out what a horrible pattern to have to have yeah yeah and this is gonna you know it's a tragedy too because this was gonna be this beautiful colony they were setting up you know hospitals and schools and it was a gorgeous planet and and nice people you know and and then it was just utterly decimated yeah yeah that was was legitimately dangerous and scary yeah it was that's huge yeah i'll be honest this i i think i think this could have been a film the uh silicon avatar I think this could have been a, a Star Trek film, and it would have been yeah. really, really good. Anyway, she could have definitely handled herself as a as a villain in a film. Dr. Oh Mara. yeah, she was great. She she's is a she's great a, villain. She's one of those classic Star Trek villains where you're not yeah. really sure whether they're villainous or not. Right, right. Um, so I, so I think I think it could have really worked. Anyway, <laughs> that's the danger zone for Silicon for Silicon Avatar. What's the danger zone for Evolution? Okay, so before they figure out what's happening here, uh, they just have what appears to be computer malfunctions, um, and some of them are ju- are just funny, like the flu- the food slot in in you know in the medical bay doesn't work at- properly, and and uh, the computer starts just shouting out chess moves, you know. <laughs> um, so so uh, some of them are just silly like that, but some of them are legitimately dangerous. Um, it, at, in the very first part, um, their inertial dampeners uh, fail, and and they start heading straight into the path of the the stellar matter that they are sent there to uh, you know to observe uh, before the phenomenon happens. And you know, and they, and they it takes Jordy, you know, Jordy has to to get the ship out of harm's way, you know, right right at the last second, you know, um, and they have um, at at one point their their shields are down. And they can't get their shields back up, so that that's legitimately they're in danger there. Um, Stars and Stripes Forever plays, which isn't dangerous, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good. But it is good. Um, there's fake danger. You know, you know, at one point there's like a, a phantom Borg vessel. Cute, yeah, and they, yeah. And they, you know, red, they go to red alert and everything, and and then it's just a ghost in the machine. And uh, but. Um, you know, so there's a lot, a lot of stuff happens. But so, so they're legitimately worried. You know, it, it, this is a legitimate puzzle that they have to solve that, you know, they mentioned that a, a computer system has never 
gone wonky like this in like 79 years or whatever they said it was like this is not something that usually happens to starship computers so they you know they obviously think there's some sort of um sabotage going on but there's no evidence of that anywhere so it's legit you know mystery that they legit have to solve not just to get to Stubbs's experiment in time but just you know for, for who knows what what system's gonna fail next um but the moment i'm picking for danger zone is happens in response to kelso uh, to Stubbs <laughs> trying Stubbs murdering uh the nanites oh. in the upper, upper core he goes in the upper core and we'll, we'll talk about about that a little bit later um that happening but in response to that the nanites in response to the murder of their comrades <laughs> the nanites mess around with the uh, life support systems on the bridge um and they they raise like the they raise the nitrogen oxide level in the bridge and um almost choke everybody to death <laughs> um thus proving their intelligence basically um, cause that is obviously not a random response to a system. That's a systemic, uh, you know, retaliation, you know, cutting off the snake's head that just attacked us <laughs> kind of, kind of move, you know, data, data says, you know, Kelso, uh, that stuff, I keep doing that. I'm going to do that the whole time. I that stubs, um, uh, you know, prove their intelligence by committing those murders and, and seeing the response it's basically proved that you know it, that, that he's wrong that they're not just mosquitoes or viruses it still shocks me um, a little bit when he actually took the phaser and shot the computer core oh it's yeah still, i still felt it was a little shocked like, oh my god he does that doesn't he yeah yeah but we give, there's murders in both these both these episodes yeah too. i couldn't believe how picard picard was fairly casual about it you know, confined to quarters. But I thought he could have been a lot more angry. He said, well, I'm not a member of your crew, so I'll do whatever I want. I think Picard would be right. like, no, you won't. To the brig with you. Right. I, I was supposed to send him to his quarters. But uh, I couldn't believe Stubbs did that. I thought that was a rather rash action for him to take. Yeah, same. Um, but, you know, don't ever cross an anite. <laughs> I guess yeah. the they uh they get him back too. He's in the danger zone. He's confined to quarters, and they they shock him with an energy beam coming out of the replicator or whatever. I thought it was great. That's very horror film that scene as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. He's quietly actually it was a strange scene because he's replaying a baseball yeah. game in his head, isn't he? Yeah. And then you hear the, even the crowd relaxing. Yeah, yeah. We hear like his thoughts. Yeah. And then and all then of a sudden, everything goes out. He gets his comeuppance yeah, <laughs> for the murder. Horror film, I thought <laughs> it was. It was, yeah, and, and and even you know, and then the the security outside can't get to him, and then he opens the door and he collapses, and you know, and it's it is very horror filmy. Um, and then you know, and then he's like, okay, Picard, you got to protect me from these, <laughs> and I see, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so but but um. But I thought I thought it was very. I, I pick I picked the nitrogen oxide on the bridge as my moment of danger zone because that that's the moment that you know that these creatures are sentient and intelligent and formidable opponents <laughs> too. So 
I thought that was very interesting. So that's my pick. I, I liked what the nanites did. I liked their. I, I liked that it got sort of progressively stranger. Yeah. And early on, I got sort of hints of that sort of a, uh, animated series episode, The Practical Joker. Yes. Yeah. Weird stuff just continues to happen. Right. And it doesn't become. It does become dangerous because they're they're very quickly knocked into the uh, knocked into the path of the stellar material, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They can't. Yeah. The, the engines go out. Nothing's responding. Right. And I, this isn't anything malicious on the part of the nanites. This is just them consuming the computer core and the computer core being knocked out and not responding to anything. But you know, throwing the ship into the the path of this, you know, once every two hundred years thing that's going to explode. That's bad luck, isn't it? That's, that's bad right. timing. <laughs> okay, what are you thinking for points uh, for Danger Zone? Um, I'm a, you know what? I am a big fan of that cold open and that colony. They do a really good job of making me care about um, about the colony and the colonists. And and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the, the woman. Um, Carmen. Who perishes. Carmen, yes, I, I, they they really make me like her, um, not just you know because she's flirty flirty with Riker, but you also know she's a great person because she's, you know, she helps the the old man. She goes back to help the old man, and and she talks about how she's an explorer, but she likes to put down roots, and you know she she just seems like a really great person, and and they do a really good job in in a short amount of time of making me care a lot that she died, you know, versus just a random. You know, like per like it, it wasn't just like random columns, which would be very sad. But I was already, mm-hmm. I already, I was already invested in this person, you know, um, which and then that made it more importantly. They spent on, a like, lot of time with her and Riker together. They did, they did. Um, and so it was sad to see when it all sort of went yeah. wrong. I love the way he delivers the line. He says she says something about how she makes great dessert. <laughs> My favorite part of dinner. <laughs> Oh, I love the way he's, uh, he's it's, such so it's so cute. It's so cheesy and cute, and uh, and fun. Like, yeah, so the flirt, you know, the fun flirty thing is fun. it's just fun. Um, but the, but then it does it come back later. They, it's important because it brings it back later. Be when he's like, well, maybe Doctor Mars is right, and we need to destroy this before it hurts anybody else. Yeah. And you know, Picard's like, well, Picard just ties him a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, because he's like, is that. Are you feeling that way because you want vengeance or because you want to protect, you know, because you want to protect people because you want vengeance for, you know, your lost, uh, you know, friend. And, and it's just, it's, it's very interesting. And, and yeah, and it does, it's, it's very, <laughs> you know why this gets my point? I just figured it out because it, it like literally all you see is there's like a giant snowflake in the sky and they somehow make that menacing. <laughs> Yeah. Like the crystalline entity shouldn't be scary. It's just like this rotating snowflake. But it legit is. You know, and it is you could see why these people are running from it. It's kinda like the blob. I always think of like the blob. Yeah. Uh, that like, that's a that's a really good shout. Yeah, that is like the it's, it's so just this weird. purple goo. Like, why is this purple goo scary? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> I do absolutely love the crystalline entity. And I do feel like it it brings a sense of danger with it because we know it's a dangerous organism. We know it has the capacity to kill and destroy, right. and to do so on not just a like not just a bit, but on a grand planetary scale. You know, it's a it's a right. it's a planet killing weapon. You know, I'm surprised that people aren't hunting these down to try and yeah, capture harness it. it exactly. 
And the nanites. The well, I guess nanites, that's what Lore kind of did. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. He did do that. Lore. <laughs> oh my god, Lore. Um, the nanites are—they are dangerous, but they are—they're briefly dangerous, and they right. quick. It's quickly resolved with a, a jolly good conversation, which is how all the best Star Trek episodes are resolved. With a chat, <laughs> exactly. Trying to figure out what we should do. Um, I love it. I love Star Trek. So I. My my point is going to Silicon Avatar for the cold open because yeah. I feel like that is danger which is unprecedented and terrifying and you know the ship's in danger occasionally you know every week the ship's in some sort of peril but it's so rare that we've got colonists having their entire colony obliterated their right. entire planet obliterated um, so I'm going to put my points there. Okay, that gives Silicon Avatar 3 and Evolution 1. Okay. Where are we going next? Number three. <laughs> if we go for... Well, let's go for... It's the third category. Let's go for the heart of the episode. The Surrogate Sun. What Ooh. do you have for Surrogate Sun? Okay. This, this episode's... Another interesting parallel between these two episodes is that it, it's about it's about mothers who, tr- you know, kind of regret uh, being away from their their sons. And it's, it's so <laughs> tr- strange. The, the try to have it all, and, and it's 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 interesting that that's that that's also something that they these two episodes have in common. It, it, you know what? I didn't I didn't realize that. I would I'd have put this in my opening introduction. But I didn't. I noticed it <laughs> while I was watching, but I didn't put it in the intro. Yeah. But it's so strange that both of these things have that aspect in it. Yeah, there's that. And this is why it's another fantastic comparison. Yeah, it's just it's just very very interesting because it's the the you know, I that that was the big thing. Like, can you have can women have it all in the eighties? And you know, that was like the big the big working mother yeah. question and and which is it's just interesting that that idea got into both of these episodes in such an odd such an odd way i like i like they didn't just uh gloss over the fact that beverly had come back either because they they glossed over i mean they didn't gloss over the fact she left they just said oh she's at starfleet academy now we've got dr pulaski they actually made it a plot point of the episode and right. they made it mean little something it wasn't like the you know the, the the most essential part of the episode, but it was right. a nice touch and it was a nice sort of nod to the fact that oh we've got that favorite character back and it hasn't just been the case of everything's back to normal. Right. It's a little problematic or things are a bit awkward. I really liked that, that they bothered to do that. Yeah, I like that too, and I, I liked how too like she wasn't like she wasn't like oh my poor baby he was without me for a year. <laughs> you know, it was more like I'm worried about him because he's so responsible that he he's not you know like doing normal childhood yeah. things like that. You know, that normal was... kid stuff <laughs> yeah, right. he's not getting into as much trouble as, as a 17 year old should and that that's nice and that that's sweet and they have a nice relationship you know um you know she sees him researching the possibility that that the nanites are the problem and and she's just like no one told you to do that. Go, you know, go out, have fun. And of course, she in this instance, she's wrong. <laughs> yeah, you need to be researching that. But you know what I mean. But it's just, it's just nice. It's just, 
and, and he I, takes it super seriously as well. It's like yeah. he obviously would, of course, right? But it, it's interesting that he actually comments that yeah, I've been you know you've been away, you weren't even here for a year. I, I'm right. I've been coping, I've been fine, right? And I did think it was funny when she said, uh, I've missed about two inches. Yeah, like, that's, that's cute. That's funny. Well, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, but this this category is surrogate son. So yes. uh, for this category, it's the re- relationship between Dr. Stubbs and Wesley. Because Dr. Stubbs really really tries to talk to him the way a dad talks to a, a son. Like gives him like his... his um, you know, his words of wis- quote unquote wisdom, <laughs> uh, because he's, he even says, I see a lot of me and you, you know, um, and, it, you know, uh, he taught, he, he like passes on the burden of the, of the wunderkind to, to Wesley, you know, he says, says that, that oh, was my, that was I my really like that. I really like yours that. and yeah, they have yeah. A great relationship together and that they, they bother to do that as well. I just, that it's was such a nice time. Yeah, it, it they ha- it's very interesting because he's obviously very interested in in Stubbs. Also, I mean, he, he he's read his unauthorized biography, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which was funny. <laughs> like that's because that's such a like present day thing to have <laughs> unauthorized biographies in the twenty fourth century. Yeah. Just funny. Um, yeah, I like that. And yeah, and he, you know, and he talks about how like oh, I've, I've got to fix this so that we can get you know get his experiment done in time and. Um, but he's also, a, he's basically a cautionary tale for Wesley too. Like this is what happens when you only care about your work and just a single focus on one thing. And, and, you know, that's probably part of when he sees what happens with Stubbs, you know, at the end when you see him finally letting loose and hanging out with kids his own age and with a girl and everything. And, you know, I think he took the the cautionary tale of Stubbs <laughs> uh, seriously too, but they have a really nice scene um, the scene, you know, you mentioned the baseball scene and he talks about, he talks about how, how he likes to, you know, memorize the stats and, and, and visualize the games in his head. He says, men like us do not need holodecks. And, you know, yeah. he always includes he Wesley. Really respects Wesley, doesn't he? He just see, I think he just sees Wesley as, as, as how he was when he was young. And that's like. You know, so he's talking to him as, as you know, like heart to heart <laughs> would, you know, and, I, you know, he planned to, you know, point to the star and swing for the fences. And it's a really nice scene that, Mike, you know, Michael Piller was obviously the baseball aficionado, um, in star, which is why I should have known all right off the top of my head that Michael Piller's the oh, one that wrote yeah. this. Um, but but he, it's just really nice that at, at the, uh, it's just a really nice little monologue that, that Kelso, that, that stops <laughs> Stubbs has about baseball, you know, about how this was, the, I, you know, as this is going to be a, I, my chance at bat, point to a star, swing for the fences. Um, a brand new era of astrophysics postponed 196 years on account of rain. <laughs> and he delivers it so well, like, like how, like very dramatically, like this was his moment and his only moment. He was singularly focused on this one thing. And now, you know, it's, 10 hours away and he's going to miss it or whatever. And, and it's just, it's just really interesting because he puts that on Wesley and, and that's what it's just, just great to see Wesley at the end, you know, like it's great. You know, Beverly is obviously ecstatic that Wesley is hanging out with kids and and with a girl and everything, but it's also just, it's good that he, he kind of took that advice and, (laughs) you know, I don't want to end up like this guy. A little bit too, so so it was an interesting little subplot. 
I thought it was just a nice, unnecessarily strange aspect, and I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I thought it was such a, a a fun thing that he just wanted Wesley around to chat yeah. to, yeah. and come along, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. How about for Silicon Avatar? So the surrogate son in Silicon Avatar is not as much fun. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one's even more effed up than an evolution. <laughs> so here we see that Data is, of course, the Silicon Avatar as a surrogate for Mars' lost son, Rennie. Oh my god. Dr. Ma learns that Data has all the journals and her personal logs, and in some cases, sort of the synthesized memories of the mm-hmm. colonists from Omicron Theta. And he does say he doesn't have, like, um, uh, minute-by-minute recollections, but, like, a broader sort of global knowledge of what they were thinking of what, or what they thought or what happened to them, though he was able to access some specific info. And initially, Ma seems quite pleased to learn that her son harboured no ill will toward her for leaving him on Omicron Theta. And... Later, Data recalls some of his memories for her. And then she requests that Data talk to her in Rennie's voice, which is creepy as hell, but kind of understandable. (laughs) And 100% understandable, though. Yeah, it is. Creepy, (laughs) yes. It it is creepy. And uh, I think think this really undid her. Um, Yeah. And, like... (laughs) It does seem that after, because Ma goes through the the entire gamut of emotions with Data. Initially, she is dismissive. She dislikes him. She's apologetic. She likes spending time with him. She views. She sees that he could. He is a, an avatar for her son. Then she almost treats him like her son. Yeah. And is pleased that he could potentially outlive everyone. By being, you know, a person who holds a, 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 a synthetic person with no expected lifespan, with an unlimited lifespan, I should say, who will hold her son's memories inside him and use them to make his own decisions. But then, at the very end, it's also her undoing, because she turns to Data and looks to him as her son, to say, look what I've done for you. Are you pleased? Do you have peace? And he very bluntly informs her that based on the information he has, he feels that her son would be disappointed in her actions and would have mm-hmm. felt it was not the right thing to have done. And that just, the, the look, I mean, her acting is really stellar because it is the, the look on her face is hideous. As she learns that she's thrown it all away for the approval of someone who will never give it to her. And it's heartbreaking and tragic and just messed up in the worst, the worst kind of way. So weird. Yeah, I, I mean I mean that ending is almost like a Twilight Zone ending. Yeah, absolutely. And the way she plays it and the way that data you know data delivers the news that that no, this is not what Remy would have wanted. He'd be very disappointed in you. And um, and and you're right. The look on her face is just like oh, it's just it's, it's she's so 
she's so great. She it, it was really well played and and she does you could just you could see her devolve, you know, her mental state devolve the more she gets in into listening to these memories. Um, yeah. listening, I mean, oh gosh, she hears in her son's voice, Mom, I miss you, you know, in that in that uh that Why journal is like oh god like of course that's gonna like just do you in and and she also does a really good job the actress that the, the actress does a really good job when when she commits the murder you know and, and the way she like she like holds on to data almost like like almost literally holds on to his arm you know yeah. and, and like yeah. grips and him when, like when i did it for you him, I did it. yeah More. escorting him to the the quarters like almost grabbing onto him like can't believe what's happened but knows right. that data's going to be there for her Oh God, it's awful. Really it's awful. awful. It's awful. And and on the one hand, she's a you know at least in the beginning, she's a, she's a sympathetic character because she lost her son, and then she dedicated her life. At, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. To um, you know, to well, I guess we, I guess, re, I guess, avenge her son. We realize now. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about that later. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but 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 yeah, she, but yeah, and and it's just it's creepy that she uses data the way she does, especially when he starts talking in the other voice. But also, yeah. it's understandable if if I knew that like there was a computer that had all the journals, uh, I'd be like, I'd be like, read me every single journal that you have, data. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I want to know everything. I want to hear everything. And and it, and that this was could have been such a beautiful gift to her, for her to 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 hear these. And 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 she had to like go and and just take you know devolve into her madness a little bit too you know take it a little bit too far. But uh, she's it's understandable at first. Because you could view you know? it as a, as almost like a uh, you know a video recording or a journal right, or a, right. a tape recording. Yeah. Just somebody reading out their message or sending you right. a message. Um, it's it's genuinely tragic, right. and you know, she absolutely, absolutely views data as her surrogate. Absolutely, son. yeah. I mean, and I he's... think she calls him Remy at the end. <laughs> I yeah. did it for you, Remy, and she's like gripping. Yeah, that's <laughs> doesn't change. Yeah. So she's literally at that. At, she's just beyond. You know, she's considering data her her son and. Yeah, but um, but oh man, she's just okay. a very tragic figure. But, she is. And, uh, to, to lighten the mood, though, you, do you know who, who who is the voice of Remy that comes out of Data's mouth? Like who did that no. voice? No. <laughs> to go back to all of our conversations about your Indiana, the kid with the gray hair. <laughs> no way, that was him. Hundred percent, the kid with the gray hair, <laughs> Jason Marsden. Yes, oh my yes. God. and he has been. He has two. Indiana podcast. Yeah, we should. we have to do. We have to find it. I haven't watched it since it came out. I'm sure it holds up, though. I'm sure of it. It's not that many but, episodes, is there? Yeah, there's only like one season, right? One or two. We, we gotta find it. Episodes. We'll do like a bonus episode of like Indiana. <laughs> Got eerie Indiana. Why does it keep coming up? This is incredible. <laughs> no, why it keeps coming up? But he, <laughs> so the kid with the gray hair is the voice of the sun in Silicon Avatar, and he also plays the waiter in Bar Association. That helps. Yes, I, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Yes, because <laughs> you told me last time we saw Waiter. Indiana. Oh, did I? Okay, I already gave you that tidbit. <laughs> so funny though. And uh, and since we since Hocus Pocus always comes up, um, you know, we talked last time about Doug Jones and Hocus Pocus. Um, He's also the voice. I didn't know he was, a, he was a big voice actor. He has a lot of voice credits, but he was the voice of the cat. 
He was Binks, the cat. And Hocus what? Pocus. Are you kidding me? Nope. <laughs> oh my goodness me. All right. All right. Now that I've blown your mind. <laughs> this is so weird to me. This is so weird to me. I feel like the universe wants me to rewatch Eerie Indiana. Right? I feel like that too. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's forget this out. Let's figure this out. We're not back in a day. I guess that's why Hocus Pocus keep coming up too, because the kid from here, the main character in Indiana is the kid, is Max and Hocus Pocus. All right. You, you and I have to set a day aside and just do like a day. It's just like power. Oh my gosh, let's do it. Indiana. We'll just binge your Indiana together. I love it. We can do that. That'd be so fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's, let's do that. We'll set that up. All right. All right. Uh, so, light the mood a there. Yeah, yeah points. Exactly. Points. Oh, man. Yeah, because that's, oh, man. Points for Surrogate Son. <sighs> I love the the subplot. I like. I really like the 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 Stubbs and Wesley stuff. I think that that's really great. But the, the Surrogate Son stuff with with Silicon Avatar gets to the gets to the root of the episode. Yeah. Um, and it's, and just the perform her performance. Oh man, is great. And um, I think my points go in there. What I, I have a real. I really like the the Stubbs Wesley dynamic, yeah. and you, you do think that you know probably they should have they would have kept in touch, yeah. Um, but it just pales in comparison to what what Kilimar does to yeah. to to Data and how they how they enact how they act with each other. It's got to be it's got to be the Silicon Avatar for me. Yeah. So <laughs> three rounds. Five points to Silicon Avatar, one point to Evolution. Still time for Evolution to climb the ancestral ladder. <laughs> Plenty of time. Legs. <laughs> we have a small um, amount of points now. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay, so next for round four, let's go to all, since we've been talking about our scientists now, let's go to all, our ulterior motives. Okay, ulterior motives. Yeah. So I've got a runner-up, actually. Ooh, let's hear it. Uh, Ma initially accuses Data of having an ulterior motive of his own, of Ooh. colluding with the uh, critical entity to survive its assault Ooh, on the one. colony, much <laughs> as Law had done on Omicron Theta. Um, and he has to not convince her, but essentially give her the time to understand that just because he looks like him, he is not law and they don't act in the same way. And he understands that she's aggrieved, but he is not responsible for any of those actions. Um, and I thought that was a nice sort of way of framing their relationship because that is a sort of a reasonably understandable thing as well. Um, but it's weird. That's the other time she does that. She ascribes data a different person. Right. She she ascribes him to be Law, and then she, later on she ascribes him to be Rennie. Oh, good point. Um, <laughs> so very, you know, she has a hard. She obviously is, is struggling to, to sort of come to terms with data on his own. Um, of course, in reality, is is Doctor Kilimar who has the ulterior motive. She is an expert on the crystal entity, following the destruction of the colony on Omicron Theta. She's checked, she's examined, I think, 11 other sites where the, the, silicon, the uh, crystal entity is known to have known to have attacked. 
and she's gathered lots of data, but this is all, it's all moot in the end because she realizes that once they can track, once they can track the crystalline entity, she can follow up wherever it goes. And the idea of communicating with it seems novel to her, like something she's not really considered, though you're right, because law already has demonstrated that that is possible. But she very quickly draws up a program with which they can use a pulsed graviton beam to send vibrations towards the crystalline entity, and it can interpret those potentially. Um, and once they establish that actually that graviton beam does g- garner the entity's attention, and it returns it returns information in its own right. She alters it to a continuous pulsed graviton beam, a continuous graviton beam, continuous pulse, setting a resonance frequency within the entity, which despite the bridge crew's insistence she disengage, she does not, and it causes the entity to vibrate into destruction in a very loud and jarring fashion. Killer by name, killer by nature. (laughs) She... She is destroyed, you know, she's destroyed. And she's a Ma as well, a Ma, which is a mother. Um, Kila Ma. Oh, yeah. Um, so her ulterior motive, once she realises she can, is to destroy the crystalline entity. And she has no... I don't think she feels bad about doing it at all. And I think she was keen to do it all along. It makes you wonder whether she's really an academic. She just wants to kill the crystalline entity. So, yeah, like, her scientific study of the crystalline entity is really just... Prep I mean, for vengeance. Prep for vengeance, yeah. And it she's seems like that... Yeah, it seems like, like that was always... I mean, she's always... She's chasing it specifically for that. She became an expert in, in what killed her son, and that's understandable. Um, but then... You know, once once Data gives gives that in of, of, oh, we can use these graviton pulses, you know, and she's like, huh, I could use these to murder yeah. it. <laughs> Great. She's obviously an intelligent woman, so yeah. and it, I don't need to go long to figure out she could do that. Right. And, and she does a very good job of not tipping her hat to anybody. Nope. She just does it. She just nonchalantly, oh, let me try something. Do, do, do. Let me type this in. I'll I'll try a continuous graviton beam. And she smiles. She's smiling when she pushes those buttons, too. This is. Yeah, this is a savage murder. This isn't like. Like she just, you know, spontaneously thought of doing, you know, this was, I mean, she locked them out of the controls and she pressed the buttons. Yeah, and just sat there smiling while the, everybody was trying to undo what she did. You know, she just sat there smiling, watching the view screen, screen just waiting to see this this thing explode. That was savage. It's pretty grisly. Yeah. Um, she's a horror in this, and that that bit's that bit's awful. And Picard, yeah. Picard obviously is very disappointed in what's happening because right. it is, you know, because imagine if Stubbs had, had succeeded. Right, uh, he'd have been genuinely disappointed then as well. So that is that is Keelan's ulterior motive. Yeah. How about how about Stubbs? What's his what, Stubbs, oh, Stubbs' ulterior motive is also murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to murder the nanites, and he he manages to, to succeed in murdering some of them as as well. Um, his, you know, to speak about his ulterior motive, it's 
his his singular focus. Both these scientists are obsessed, and mm-hmm. his singular focus is this one. You know, this one stellar phenomenon that happens once every 196 years, and and doing. We, we don't really get too much explanation about what this information is going to give us, but we're studying uh, the decay of neutronium at relative <laughs> at relativistic speeds. So when this yeah, I didn't know what yeah, so what, but I don't know what you're going to do, what he's going to do with that information. They don't really tell us, you know, but it's basically like the neutron star absorbs all this energy from the red giant and then an explosion happens once every 196 years. He, he calls it the interstellar counterpart to Earth's old faithful, which I thought was a really cute <laughs> turn of phrase. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so this is what he is singularly focused on. And he only develops an ulterior motive when that is threatened. His, his research is threatened, you know, and, and, but so he's, he's funny in the scene when he, when he commits the murder, because he just nonchalantly walks in like, Hey boys, what you doing? You know? And he's like, yeah, like, like, like he, he, this was also, this was like a premeditated murder. He came in with some kind of weapon that can, you know, that can um, deliver high level gamma bursts of radiation or whatever. But, you know, but he comes in and he's, he's under the, under the motive of, of just seeing, you know, I need this computer to be working in eight hours. You know, what are you up to? And, and they talk about how they're, they're trying low level gamma bursts, you know, to try to slow down the growth of the, of the nanites. Um, you know, and uh, and he's like, "Oh, have you considered high level?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> just like You know, Dale's like, "Oh, uh, that would kill them," uh, as if like Stubbs didn't. You know, "Oh, that would kill them." So we're not doing that. And, and he's like, "I know," and he just gruesome, you know, just brutally just raises his weapon and kills all the nanites in the upper core. Um, <laughs> without any remorse or any, you know, any thought. Like to him, he's just exterminating an, uh, some bugs. You know, it's like an ant he, colony to him. He is the crystalline entity yeah. of of the nanites. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> he is, <laughs> and they get to communicate with their crystalline entity <laughs> eventually. They yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about and that they too. Might not have if they weren't a singular yeah. intelligence. If right. they were. If if they were if they all felt personally like he destroyed their parents or children, yeah. maybe they wouldn't be so pleased. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a good point. But uh, it, yeah, and he so he basically, I mean, this is his lifetime of work that's in jeopardy. So he he develops this ulterior motive that he's going to take matters into his own hands and and destroy this nanite colony so that he can so that all all that doesn't go to waste, you know. Um, so I get that. I really get him. I get both. I understand both of these characters. I wouldn't make the same choices that either of them made, <laughs> but they're, they are, they're both very not relatable, but under, well, I, I, cause relatable is too strong a word, but I understand where both of them are coming from. Yeah. Completely. Um, which is, in, in, which makes them interesting episodes, you know? Um, I even get, I like, I get that. Like you wouldn't think that machines can evolve intelligence you would you know you wouldn't think that on that that's not what uh, would automatically pop into my head or in the other case you know you you might want i can see why she would want to avenge her son you know completely and save other people from having the same fate you know so they're both very understandable characters their motives their ulterior motives and their motives uh are, are very 
both very relatable, I guess. Not really, not understandable. Understandable. <laughs> um, points wise, ulterior motive points wise. What are you thinking? Man, <laughs> St- again, Stubbs, Stubbs just, uh, like he's, he's just doing anything he has to do to get his, his research done. He's just doing what he has to do. But, um, but Mar, Mars plant ulterior motive was, has been planned. Like it's been since her son died, she's been planning this. That's why she's studying the crystalline entity, not because she wants to understand it. Like, like you said, that thought never even occurred to her that she could communicate with it. She's just right. been, she's literally been hunting it um, and was able to hide that under the guise of scientific research, you know, and that, and, and when she executed her plan, she did it with, you know, methodical uh, detachment um, that was was very that is very chilling and and it was just it's just very interesting to watch. So again, my point's going to Silicon Avatar. I feel so bad. I love the Nanite episode. The Nanite episode's solid. It's I so think, good. I think Stubbs, Stubbs suffers by being too nice for much of the episode. <laughs> right, he's not as good of a villain. <laughs> and his ulterior motive is is really really forced and explained, and yeah. he does seem quite contrite afterwards. Yeah. He would have taken yeah, it back if he could. Yeah. Whereas Keela Mars' ulterior motive, I mean, it's right. almost pathological, isn't it? It's <laughs> terrifying. And <laughs> how could she not? How could she not earn this point? Right. She deserves yes. it. She deserves. She earned that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that was that was a long, contrived plan. Yeah. To, yeah. To get access to this entity so she could destroy it. Get information about it to destroy it. And she did. So, and she was happy. And she she was totally, she no remorse until Data shamed her at the end by saying her son would be disappointed in, in what she did. <laughs> that was the a, only a, time not she a pain of remorse. None. None whatsoever. Also, she was fairly cracked. <laughs> I felt like she really had sort of let the madness overtake yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Again, like she thought she did something just too. Like, exactly. I mean, to her, she was she was saving the universe from a from this scourge that you know that was killing people, and that is, I mean, she did. Like, but, but, but they maybe could've... they could have maybe they could have done it without killing the crystal right, as well. Right. Maybe they could have done it in a better way. Yeah, and they did have that in their back pocket too. That they, you know, try try the diplomacy first, and then then if if that doesn't work, then you can uh... yeah speak slowly and carry a big stick. Right, right. So she definitely um, earned those points. She does earn those points. Okay, <laughs> so after four categories, oh, it's a. Uh, colossal seven points for (laughs) the crystalline entity and a microscopic (laughs) one point fits it fits (laughs) poor little nanites we got got one one category yeah one round left to see if we can uh see if we can develop the nanites beyond their (laughs) their single cell origins um so for the very last category should we have a look at message received? Okay. So, okay. So my, my runner up 
actually is I went a little outside the box for this one. Uh-huh. My my runner up is is Dado, you know, making contact with with the nanites. Uh, yeah. He use you know he figures out a way to to manipulate the universal translator that he can make contact with them, and then it's cute. Like when they they send a message back, it's in binary and. You know, and then they translate it. And it's really cute, and um, and he basically gives them a map to get to a meeting inside his neural network <laughs> so that they can interact. <laughs> that is so um, cool. Which is so and cool. Love, when they flash off on the screen as well, and you actually have a little little like, data outline comes up. Oh, it's, it's so cute! Yeah, it's so fun. And and then he held out he holds out his hand so they can basically crawl into his hand, which is so funny too. Like it's, it's just so fun, and, and, and they uh, get the trouble of showing you his finger as well, like yeah. closing off on his fingerprint yeah. and seeing like, the little dots. That's so fun. I love it. Yeah, and then it's funny because we have Data being the ventriloquist dummy in both these episodes, you know, <laughs> which is another interesting parallel of these two episodes. Um, so through Data, we get to communicate with the nanites. Um, so that's one of the message, another, another, and then during that meeting, um, it, w- you touched on it briefly earlier, you know, Kelso apologized. <laughs> I told you I was going to do it the whole time. Kelso apologizes. Kelso Stubbs apologizes and he legit apologizes too. I understand yes. that his, I mean, he's highly motivated to apologize because he needs, he re- still singularly focused on getting that research done but it's a legit apology it's like i i regret doing this i'm so sorry what can i do to make it better it's it's, it's a legit he, he actually says i'm at your mercy yeah i'm at your mercy and they're like I what's that if, mean <laughs> if he had died in the course of trying to get the egg launched yeah he'd have he'd have been satisfied with that yeah that would have been oh he died trying yeah yeah he would have 100 been fine with that but yeah, so so now it's a message, and they received, you know, they they received his apology. It was a, they didn't understand what that meant. They're they're like, you know, they had Picard had to explain. He's asking for your forgiveness. You know, I thought that was that was cool. That like they're they're learning about communication. They're learning about things like, like what that means, um, and they're explorers, and it's it's just awesome. And and communicating with the nanites, the mess, the you know, the messages received, communicating with the nanites is just, just what is one of the strengths of this episode, I think. I think that's so cool. That's a first contact right there. Absolutely. And, and it's fun too. You can almost see Picard like brighten up when they say they're explorers. He's like, oh yes, I've gotten in now. <laughs> We're explorers too. <laughs> and we don't want to harm any living beings. <laughs> like, let's talk about that. We have something in common. You know, you can see him like, <laughs> like, okay, this is going to be an easy first contact. I got this, <laughs> you know? Um, and then they come to a really great understanding, you know, the, the nanites are like, your ship is confining. We, you know, we've, we've grown as much as we can on the ship. We need to be relocated. And, and, you know, they help each other, you know, they, they help uh, Stubbs helps them find a good planet to live on. And they help repair the ship's computer. The nanites help repair the ship's computer, so, so that in time for him to do his thing, get his data or whatever he needs. And it's really sweet. It's really nice. Um, so, but that's that's my runner up for the actual point. What I picked is another reason this episode is awesome is we get a Guinan scene. <laughs> we, do. we do get a Guinan scene. I love Guinan so much. And, and gosh, Guinan helps out. She speaks to both Beverly and Wesley uh, in this episode. So, um, 
So it's it's nice, you know, she gets to hear both sides of everything. <laughs> she she does everyone, you know, she knows everything that goes on. Um, but but she but she's really what I'm picking here is her scene with Wesley. Um, you know, she sees Wesley, Wesley's looking for the nana. He's like set nana traps, which isn't also funny, <laughs> funny concepts. <laughs> Um, they should be full of they should be overwhelmed these yeah, traps. Yeah. Unless, uh, it should be for the shrimps. Right. Well I guess like what do you bait them with, I guess? Like yeah. <laughs> chips, computer chips. Mini goodness. Um, yeah, yeah. Or do you have to attack does it have to be like actively have electricity running through it or you know? Maybe they're battery powered, who knows? And they can suck the battery juice. <laughs> um but you know, and and Guinan's great, you know. Um she talks about because everyone's confined to quarters during this whole debacle. And, and she says, Oh, I've never been any good at being confined to quarters as my husband's will attest to, <laughs> which is just such a guy in line. And it's funny. And then she, um, she actually compares, you know, Wes explains to her what, what's happening. And, and, you know, she compares him to Dr. Frankenstein and you know, another Frankenstein reference, which is great. Um, but what I'm picking for the message received is how good Guinan is at giving advice uh, with just a look. This is her just giving Wesley a look. And he says, like, he basically tells her everything. He's like, you, you know, I, I created these nanites and they're all over the ship and blah, blah, blah. And, and she goes, and he goes to her, he goes, he goes, you won't tell anyone, will you? And she just gives him a Guinan look. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I know, I will. The whole thing we have to do. I can't believe he was even doubting it. Right, right, right. But she doesn't even have to say anything, you know, because <laughs> she's Guinan. <laughs> He knows what she's going to say. And, and it's just such a great scene between these two characters. At some and point, he was going to have to tell somebody. Yeah. And so it made sense that obviously he was stressing about it. But that was sort of the first time we heard him stress about it. Yeah. You know, because he hadn't really, you just saw some sort of worried looks on his face, but nothing, right. nothing definite. You know, it wasn't absolute that he felt that this was his responsibility. So this was him coming clean, essentially, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, to Guinan, of course. <laughs> and, obviously, obviously. and he didn't want to believe it himself. I didn't think he didn't want to believe that his stupid experiment right. could, have put, could have put them in danger. Right. And the other thing that I liked was the fact that uh, now it's canon that Star Trek is in the same universe as Frankenstein. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> So in, in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, that's awesome. I love it. Absolutely, yeah. And um, and then yeah, and it, it's just it's just it's just sad. Like Wes is very sad. Like I'm also glad at the end when we see him just hanging out with kids and with a girl, and mm-hmm. you know, because when when she asked him, she's like, "Do you think you're gonna get an A on your project?" <laughs> like that's a guiding question. And and you know, he says dejectedly, he's like, "I always get an A." And that's so sad. Like, I remember how that is. Like when you're a kid, you know, and you're just like focused on your grades. It's like, yeah, I do all, I do the hard work and I get the A and that's just lather, rinse, repeat. That's the cycle. And it's just like, poor guy, man. So that is, that is a good message received. And I do like the fact that that essentially you're you're right. He got the message instantly. Uh, For my message received, 
I've got a, a runner-up and a sort of... Uh, I've got a message not received. Um, there's a scene after the Kalisco has been destroyed and Keela, Ma and Data are in the turbo lift and she has this sort of confession slash breakdown in the turbo lift. Like, did yeah. did my son call out for his mother? Oh my and god, that's so sad. I wondered if she was asking Data whether he would know that. And I didn't I thought there might be a scene where he explained that I don't have those like last you know, last minutes. But actually Data just looks at her. He did like he couldn't care less. And the turbo lift opens and he leaves. It was a really strange ending to that scene because it was a really powerful, emotive scene and he didn't say a single word, which just leaves. So I was, I was like, was that message received or, or not? Uh, right. Who's that for? Um, yeah, and that's interesting too because that puts her into contrast with, with how Beverly was dealing with, with her leaving her son too because a lot of times the, the type of questions that Dr. Mara would ask, it kind of felt more like instead of like worrying about about him it was more like like a, like a selfish yeah, yeah. Like it was more like like selfishly focused like did did he think about me did he miss me did he blame me do you know what mm-hmm. i mean as opposed yeah. to like oh no was he was he in pain was he you know scared you know like it, it just seemed who were his friends yeah 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 which is which is completely opposite of of what beverly's concerns were focused on you know she wasn't concerned with like like her relationship with with Wesley, of course she, of course she is, and she wants to have a good relationship with him. But her, her concern was more like his development and his growth, yeah, and his happiness, you know. And and it was just it's just an interesting contrast between those two. Hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's not very nice. Yeah. The other message received is when Data reads out one of Rennie's messages to his mother <laughs> in Rennie's own voice. Yeah. Obviously. Weird, strange, and it drove Mark right off the cliff. Um, but the message, the message received that I'm going for, in an effort to communicate with the crystalline entity, Data and Dr. Mark initiate the pulse graviton beam, inciting the vibrations, attracts its attention, and results in a graviton string returning from it. There is a pattern, it can be decoded. Picard seems very smitten with the idea that they can talk to it. And we get a sense that there could be some potential crystal healing. Uh, <laughs> alas, it's not to be. But the message is received. Yeah. No matter what happens. Yep. And that's so, it's just so fascinating because it sounds like such a long shot, you know? Yeah. To, to, to the, the very idea of being in communication with this, a being which is so alien and violent mm-hmm. and antithetical to life. Let's chat to it. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, it's so Star Trek. Yeah. Like th- that episode, that would have worked as an episode even without Dr. Marr as a character, you know? <laughs> completely, completely. But the Dr. Marr aspect of it just brings... The, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't realize how good I thought this episode was until I watched it for this. <laughs> At the end of it. It's I underrated. Like, it, it massively underrated. Yeah. Both these episodes and, are underrated, I think. Yeah. I think not just because of the critical entity, but because of her. It's, yeah, she's terrifying. She's terrifying. Yeah, and and she yeah, and and it just it's it's nice that sometimes things don't work out too. Like sometimes things are tragic. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, oh, we gave it a shot and we decided to to contact this this 
entity and it works ta-da you know like (laughs) sometimes that happens and that's not that's not always the the most the interesting thing to happen like this is interesting this is really sad and tragic but it's it's also an interesting perspective and and i I really like it i like the ending yeah it's a good ending and it's just it really blows the idea of what's going to happen out of the water because it's not yeah it's not a Star Trek ending, is it? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, she does not do what a Starfleet officer would do. <laughs> um, and it's so contrasts so differently to what happens to Doctor Stubbs, right. where they where they do initiate they do initiate communication, and he is contrite and apologizes. Right, and the difference between them is he hasn't had, you know. 10 years of horrible pain and loss right. and feeling that his children have died. And maybe he would have been like that in 20 years time yeah. if the egg hadn't launched. Right. But oh, he would have gone just as crazy if, if the egg didn't. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. As she did. Okay. But instead he got a happy ending. He got to, to collect his research. You see him at the end, just happily collecting his data yeah. from, from he, the experiment and just. He's loving it. He's loving it. He's immersed in it. He's not even listening to, you know, Picard and <laughs> when Picard's trying to get his attention, he's just doing his thing. And he had a happy ending, even though he murdered sentient beings too. <laughs> yeah. He got away with it. <laughs> he got away with it. Well, I like to think he got some kind of punishment after the fact. Cause I, I, I guess like, even if you were going to like send him to prison, you would let him, I think you would let him do the experiment, don't you think? Because you wouldn't want that. Uh, di- I don't think he got punished at all. I, I yeah. actually think he became the ambassador to the nanites and became <laughs> a gentleman. That's what I think. I think he I would watch the hell out of that short track. <laughs> yeah, I think he went on and sort of followed the development of their society, became a social scientist. Oh my God. I love that for him. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. That's I, perfect. I see it. Because he uh, needed a new goal, like he did. He, you know, his whole career is leading up to this. He did it. What's next? And and really seeing what's, oh, you know, data gathered is important, but a new society creating yeah. them for your eyes—that's that's, that's right. absolutely enormous. Right, and doing the opposite. If he was an astrophysicist, you know, looking at the really big, grand things, you know, going to the exact opposite, the microscopic, you know, level, and oh, that's cool. I like that for him. That's my new headcanon, too. I'm stealing that. <laughs> uh, so, final round. Okay. Where's your point message received? I'm, I'm giving my point to evolution here because uh, I, I adore... Guinan's one of my favorite characters. And it's, I think I think she's used really, really nicely here to be his his sounding block. His say, you know, because this is something that he, he can't talk to his mom about. You know, yeah, but he does. I mean, eventually he does. But it, you know, you, you you always need somebody as a sounding board. You know, before a big <laughs> a big reveal like that. So, and and and, the, and it's just a very very cozy, nice scene, and I think it contrasts well with his scenes with um with Stubbs, mm-hmm. which is you know. So like I'm getting my point to Guinan. I am also going to give my point to Guy, and I think mm-hmm. he picked a really nice, a really nice scene, like <laughs> sort of the, the second time that you know because you could have picked a really obvious one, but you didn't. You picked the clever <laughs> one. Um, 
It's great. I love it. It's a fantastic scene. I love the Frankenstein reference. Yeah. I love. I love that Guinan is even a character in Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. Pop up for one scene every five episodes. Right, right. Just when we need some advice or yeah, exactly. you know, someone wise <laughs> to talk uh, to, and she's like, so glad that she's in it. And so you know, and yeah. the role she has is so classically Guinan as well. Yeah, so perfect. Right. We've done it. We've, We've reached it. the end of this snap track, Woo-hoo. which honestly, I feel having done it, I feel this episode's a more similar now that we've talked about right. it than even when we watched it. <laughs> I thought that it was great as a as a two as a as a, a, a dual watch. Really yeah. worked. Really enjoyable. Two you're right to say they're both underrated episodes. Yeah. I, and I think probably evolution is more underrated than Silicon Avatar. Mm-hmm. I think that's I more well that's more well known because the crystal entity is such a big character. Yeah. Um, but they're both great. Such good episodes. Really fun to watch. And uh, the evolution. I think it was a bit hard done by with three points. To be honest, <laughs> I think the seven points for Silicon Avatar deserve. I think evolution deserved a few uh, more points. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by by that outcome, but you know, again, it's the same thing. But we could have picked other categories, and oh yeah, of course, of course. And there were so many similarities. We could have done a whole second set of categories with these two. I think so. I think we could have gone down um, the academic route. Yeah, we could have gone down yeah. the mother route. Right. There's yeah. a lot we could have done here. <laughs> But uh, I, I just, I just think, I think they are really fun to watch back to back too, because it's, mm. it's fun to see how they, how the, you know, Picard once, you know, once again having to explain to a scientist why he's not going to kill sentient beings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That conversation almost. He always had the same conversation twice. That He's like, not this crazy. again. Yeah, but but We're it's just not it's, trying to kill them category. Right, exactly. And it's just it's just funny, and it's it's just it's a, it's a theme in Star Trek, you know. And it's a, it's a it's a great theme, and especially next gen. That's especially a next gen thing, and and they're both they're both really well done. But they both come, you know. Gosh, the the endies couldn't be more different, you know. No, so really that's how that's was so much fun. You can do basically, you know, similar, very similar ideas, and and it can go two completely different directions, and that's what's so fun about about this. So, okay, well, right. we've done it, and we've, we've reached it. the end of. I think this has been a great snap track. Uh, there's yeah. been so much to talk about in this episode. <laughs> um, what are we going to do next? Good. Now that we've finished with the. Old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting! Okay, friends and neighbors, let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. In the next episode of Snap Trek, the crew are going to think we are dead, but in fact we are just invisible. As we discuss <laughs> TNG's The Next Phase versus Enterprise's Vanishing Point. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Snaptrack this week. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. Please do send us your lyrical recaps for the next phase and Vanishing Point, and we'll read them out. And Jen, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just want to say thanks, everyone, for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. Have a good one. Live fast and prosper, everyone. I need your help, Data. In what way, Doctor? Like you did before. Tell me. 
You understand, Rennie? That you know I, I did it for you. Because I love you. Because I wanted to give you peace at last. I do not find such a file in your son's journals, Doctor. However, from what I know of him, by his memories and his writing, I do not believe he would be happy. He was proud of your career as a scientist. And now you have destroyed that. You say you did it for him, but I do not believe he would have wanted that. Yes. I believe your son would be very sad now. I am sorry, Doctor, but I cannot help you.